just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. expressed on the following broadcasts do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, Exploring Solutions for Life Today, a presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Welcome, one and all, to another fine broadcast, this episode of Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life Today with Dave Fleming, the vid. What's up? What's up? What's up, Dave? Nish. Nya, nya, nya. Nish. Um, so, I was sick last week. So, so, suck your toe. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> um, I was a little under the weather last week. So, we had, we had the Teen Challenge show uh, the week prior, but we didn't have... Um, the great reality show with the whole team last week. Sorry, listeners, about that. We will uh, we will resume that on the second Monday of next month. But uh, welcome to Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life today. Today, today, today. today. Let's see if I can. Today. today. There you go. <laughs> and the topic uh, on this episode is radical acceptance. And I'm going to explain what I mean between radical acceptance and acceptance here in a minute. We're going to talk about that. And Dave's got some ideas. And I've got nothing. Uh, yeah, you no, <laughs> you do have ideas. Say it to yourself. <laughs> I don't know if you want to hear my ideas. This is not the droid you're looking for. Are you ready to radically accept my ideas? I don't know. We'll see. But before that, it's time once again. <laughs> It's time for Dave and Monty's Icebreaker! That's right. Uh, Well, his heart was in the right place. Um, So we just had Valentine's Day here uh, not too many days back, right, Dave? Yes, sir. Did you do anything? Did you take the little woman out to dinner or anything? We decided to have a quiet evening at home with just, well, is that the is the that eight of us? Is, <laughs> how quiet was that? <laughs> well, it's the wife and I, and then you know our. See, most men say pups, we decided to have a quiet evening at home. Pups and kittens is is code for we didn't do nothing. I forgot. <laughs> no. 
You didn't. I forget. beg to differ. You didn't that, forget that we not. You know what? You got to quit perpetuating <laughs> nonsense like that because you know I we were gonna go out nonsense, and You're, my wife wasn't feeling well. She had, um, she had a hard day, so yeah. she asked if we could just stay home. So you we said, did. Uh, you said I have no problem with that. We we got some pizzas and we we all sat down sat down and. Watched some movies and had pizzas. And the animals ate pizza too? Like dogs did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well, happy V-Day. Well, Christopher, Christopher's heart was in the right place. Uh, He says, I was out and about and was at a market in my hometown, and I saw this really pretty cloth rose that I wanted to buy my mom. So I bought it for her. With a little bit of allowance that I had. So this is obviously probably a young man, right? Well, (laughs) he took it home to his mom on Valentine's Day, and she opened it up. And as she opened it up, the rose kind of opened up, and it really wasn't a rose. It was in the shape of a rose, but it was sleazy, edible... Women's undergarments. Wow. <laughs> nice job, Christopher. <laughs> well, you probably saw it at the local 7-Eleven or something. Yeah, they have those novelty items. Convenience store. Yeah. Sorry, 7-Eleven. Not. His heart was in the right place. Yeah, so. I, 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 and I just want to interject something here on that, that the previous comment before the story. So the way me and my wife view Valentine's Day is, yeah. is it's nonsense. Nonsense. Because... And I'm going to tell you why, because you maker. should love, you should show love to your significant other every single day, not just one day. Out okay, of the so year. let me play devil's advocate here, because we do things for each other, and it doesn't have to be no, any and I, day. And I agree. Or I agree with it could that. Just because it's Tuesday. I took my wife out to BJ's in Eugene the other night okay. for a belated Valentine's Day thing. So I, we didn't do anything on Valentine's Day, kind of like you. And so I thought, ah, let's go to BJ's because it's one of her favorite places. So we went down there and had a wonderful dinner. It wasn't Valentine's Day. But I, I agree with you, but let me play devil's advocate. Should we not have birthdays in or Christmas or anything? That's because different. We should, because we should be that way all the time? That's different. Yeah, well, I mean, by what are you saying? What are you gonna have your? Is it going to be your birthday every day? I sh- well, yeah, I'd love that. Well, it's you should treat me with kindness and compassion and love and presence every day. If you're, if you're one of those, uh, (laughs) uh, what do they call them? I'm just saying, is there really anything wrong with setting a day a year aside to really emphasize something? Well, you mean like the birth of Jesus? Anything. Well, what's what's the matter with doing it on a daily basis? Why do you have to set aside a day? I agree. Because you want to make a, as much money as you possibly can on that one day. I'm not talking about the money makers. I get that. Well, that's basically what it, why it was Is created. That you, that, yeah, Valentine's Day particularly. Because if you looked it up, what that whole, what, you know. Right. What was St. Valentine all about? Well, it wasn't nice. Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, okay. well, let us know your thoughts. What do you think? Let's abolish all these specific day no, things. No, you can't. And you treat can't, each other. With... You can't do a blanket statement. Oh come on, it's Dave! Just, 
because it's not the same. I want a blanket statement. Well, there are some religions that don't celebrate any of that stuff at all. That's because... true. You know, I used to be a coyote, but I'm okay now. Wow. Okay, here's a couple of here's a couple of uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> here's a. <laughs> I promise we'll get to the uh, the topic. Just accept the fact that we haven't got there yet. Um, <laughs> here's a couple of winter classes for men, Dave. Um, the first one, and these these begin at the end of this month, by the way. Um, how to fill up the ice cube trays? It's a step by step. Seriously, yeah, it's a step by step with slide presentations. It meets for four weeks, Monday and Wednesday, with two hours for two hours, beginning at seven p.m. at Chemeketa College. And who who who's the instructor? It doesn't say. Why not? I, it probably because he probably doesn't want to be known. How do you know it's a man? Here, ooh. Well, here's the second class. Because who came up with a class that had uh, that class? I mean, come on, really? Hey, they they get these grants for studying, you know, <sighs> weird stuff. Uh, here's the second class: the toilet paper roll. Does it change itself? <sighs> It's actually a roundtable discussion. It meets for two weeks on Saturday from 12 to at 12 o'clock for two hours. And the third one, Dave, is it possible to urinate using the technique of lifting the seat, avoiding the floor, walls, and nearby bathtub? It's a group practice, Dave, and it meets four weeks. Now, how do you have a group? Now, this, just, <laughs> this is a good example of why our country is gone and toilet. <laughs> or, or get, come on, you got to give me some side, some sound Dave, effects here. I'm joking. That's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> these aren't real. Sounds like part of the these problem, not the, the solution. These aren't real, Dave. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, you know, but I bet there are but, some classes out know, there like know, that. It's possible. I wouldn't put it past anybody. Um, there's actually like... Like twenty four of these things. I'm going to read them on some of the other shows, but wow. um, the ice cube tray. The ice cube tray thing really it, it piqued my interest because Ugh. I come home. We still have we stop. we have our ma- our our, our twenty one year old who is mastering in conducting at George Fox University, Ugh. and he cannot. I mean, okay, Just I stop. get it. If you take the ice cube tray out of the freezer and you dump the ice in the bucket. And you leave it on the sink and you don't fill it back up with water. I understand that. But why are you putting the empty ice cube tray back in the freezer? I I find that hard to accept, Dave. Maybe that's a learned behavior that he learned from his, I don't know. No. Father? No. <laughs> no way, Dave. All right. Because I know that my kids learned how to leave just less than a swallow of milk in the milk container. They learned that from you? From my wife. <laughs> because nobody wants to be the person to throw away the container, which I don't get. <laughs> okay, that does it for our icebreaker. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Radical acceptance. Call. 
You and I know all too well how talented folks in recovery are. KHLT Broadcasting, the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, and the Recovery Broadcasting Network are handing you the opportunity to share some of that talent. If you've ever written your own songs and have always wanted to share them publicly, here's the chance to share your talent with thousands of people all over the world through Internet Radio. For the next several months, the Monty Man will be reviewing songs written and performed by people in recovery. Whether you're an accomplished musician or a novice, he wants to hear from you. All forms of music will be considered. Adhering to federal copyright laws and possible contractual agreements, some restrictions may apply. To submit your original recovery songs for airplay, send CDs to KHLT, P.O. Box 93, Albany, Oregon, 97321. Or email your music in MP3 format to Take12Radio at Comcast.net. And now, back to more Solutions for Life Today with Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Now, can they still be in treatment? The people submitting their music? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Well, maybe you There should. are treatment are centers. Are you going to post the rules on, on your website? For submitting the music? No, just submit it. It says then... some some restrictions oh, yeah. may apply. So what that means is... Uh, just for full disclosure here. Yeah, so let me tell you what that means. So BMC Music and some of these other ones will own an artist's songs. The, the artist doesn't even own them anymore. And so somebody like Steven Tyler, for instance. Steven Tyler could send me a song and say, Money, I give you full permission to use this song. And he could get sued by BMC Music. So, right. so he can't do that. So that's why we are asking for original songs that are not part of BMC Music or SMAT and all these guys that, that are, are, the, are a label, a major label. Most recovery recording artists, like in Rockers in Recovery, that's part of Richie Supa's, uh, or Recovery Unplugged, I'm sorry, uh, thing, many of them are not with major labels anyway. And more artists are going to their own studios now, and so they have full control. Well, yeah, a lot yeah. of them do their own publishing. Right. So they don't want to deal with these oh, these all, guys anymore. The way you can make money these days uh, is is to own your all your own songs, right? Keep True your own enough. All right, so uh, radical acceptance. So so when Dave said let's talk about acceptance, I thought, okay, we need a little bit more of a hook though on the title. So I put radical acceptance. So I've always kind of you know I understand the whole life on life's terms thing that we need to accept life and life's terms. For me, this is just me, radical acceptance means that I've come to a place in my life where I'm accepting my recovery on God's terms. Because sometimes life's terms or the world's terms can be really uh, thwarted. And so I want to establish my recovery on God's terms, not so much life. But it could be a matter of semantics, and we don't need to argue about that. But but here's the thing, and I want to read this. I'm going to let Dave take over here. So I know many of you that listen have heard this a million times, but it bears repeating. Now, this is found um, on the, in the third edition of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's found on page 449. In the fourth edition, it's found on page 417. This is, comes from the chapter, Dr. Alcoholic Addict. And this is what it says. It says, and acceptance 
is the answer to all my problems today. Now, now let me let me explain that the author of this later, but it's not published, later retracted that and said that he wished he hadn't have said that, that God was the answer to all of his problems today. However, this has been in the big book since, you know, for, well, not actually not since the very beginning, but for for I know in the third and fourth edition. So, so, but let's listen to this. So let's put semantics aside and just listen to this. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. And that's from the very famous page 449. Sounds pretty radical, dude. Radical. But it doesn't apply to me because I am not alcoholic. Okay. Have you ever heard that? Oh, sure. <laughs> but you know what? Anybody, anybody could live by... It doesn't have to be alcohol. No. It could be Because uh, he pizza. says, until I accept my alcoholism, I can not stay sober. He's just using that as an example. Right, right, right. But I could say, I'll start, until I could accept my financial situation. I could not actually get help financially. Right. Right? I'm just uh, throwing that be. out there because a lot of people get stuck on semantics. You bet. They do. And so they, let's not even some of it's used as an excuse. Sure. Well, I'm not an addict or I'm not right. this. So I don't struggle with that, so it doesn't apply. But this is one of those things. You could you could take that sentence until I could accept my alcoholism and I could not stay sober. Insert totally life problem. Anything right. in there. Um or remove it completely, and it's still just a a really wise paragraph, right? Right, right. Well, and where do I start? I mean, that just sounds like a lot. Right. Well, how do you need, eat an elephant, Dave? <laughs> One bite at a time, right? I don't eat elephants. You don't eat elephants? So my sponsor told me— about carrots? Because I went through that thing where I had all this mess, and he says, okay— so pretend like your life's in this room and there's just a big pile of donkey poop. How do you start cleaning it? You got to pick a corner, man. You got to start somewhere. That's that whole that whole idea of putting one foot in front of the other, right? Probably would start, start with taking the donkey and putting him Put outside. Putting the donkey outside, right? Which a lot of people, you know, figuratively speaking, a lot of people don't want to do that. Right. So they're chasing the donkey around the room continuously trying to pick up the poop. <laughs> Yeah, and then they can't figure out why the poop keeps showing up. I'm doing right. everything right. <laughs> well, and I think that's where the the that change has to come in and get and ask for help because the thinking reality thinking. is is that we think we're doing everything right because we're still using we're still focused on our limited understanding. Ah, uh, right, right. If we don't ask for help or get more information. We're going to stay stuck in that. Yeah. In order for us to fix whatever it is we can't figure out, we got to go outside of ourselves. We got to go ask somebody. We got to go to, you know, we got to go to a, a support group. We got to, 
seek professional help. We got to do something outside of our normal reality. You know, that goes back to, you know, uh, our, our, I think it was our first show. The only thing you have to change is everything. Everything. And that starts with the way you think. And it just right? is like the opposite of what's causing your problems. Well, if you're, you know, if things are, you know, you get, you got 10 things and five of them are going right. And the other five aren't, you got to look at why aren't they going right? What's, what's still going wrong? Are you still trying to figure it out yourself? Because that's where I was at. Yeah. I mean, I stayed stuck in my addiction for, you know, 20 some odd years because I looked at the whole God thing uh, as people that were, you know, religious. Yeah. As being hypocrites. I mean, I knew I was, I was a spiritual being, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know exactly what that. Let me ask you a question. The whole piece of that was. So how many years were you struggling with that? You said 20 years before I really came to the. Where I finally got to the point where I had to accept where I was at, right, and right. then say I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah, it was probably about twenty years. Okay, during that twenty year time, though, there was a part of you that really did want to change, right? You wanted things to be different. Oh, probably from the beginning. Yeah, at least on some level. So, so this- I wanted to stop feeling badly, or you know, having hangovers, or. Going through withdrawals. Right, which which really puts the kibosh on what some people say. Well, he didn't really want to change. Yeah, you did. You did, but to the degree that you were able to, you you, you weren't there yet. I mean, you, you hadn't changed your thinking and all well, that, but you really, you wanted to, to some degree, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I it, it was a lot of it was staying stuck in the whole thought process of, of if everyone else would just do things my way, <laughs> everything would be fine. Right. Because, you know, uh, back in the day, reality was, as I just thought everyone, it was a bunch of idiots because I, it's like common sense did not apply for some reason, at least in my, in that the view I was in. in the- God, it's hard to, I mean, and I get that because even today, and it's not just millennials or the baby boomers or generation, it's like everybody's lost their mind. We can mm-hmm. really get caught up in not accepting people for who they are. And things for the way they are because people are kind of going crazy, right? Well, yeah, I mean, we could have a whole show on that. But sure. it's, even if you are saying, you know, I, I see it all the time. People say, you know, yeah, we got to love and accept everybody for who they are. But in the next breath, it's like, well, if you're not doing it my way, then you're uh, racist, homophobe, blah, 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 whatever. Right. So it's right. like you're, you're not, a hater. You're yeah. not accepting you're people for who they are. That's right. You're only accepting them if they agree with you. Yeah. Which is kind of back to the old point. If everything would just, everybody would just do things my way, everything would be fine. Well, the world doesn't operate that way. It can't operate that way for very long. And, and, you know, it's interesting because the very people that used to preach there's unity in our diversity, many of them um, are going the other way. And not allowing people to be diverse because they're demanding people do things and believe things exactly the way they do. And so there's no diversity anymore in their mind. They want everybody to conform to a certain way. And I think there is something to be said for diversity. There's something healthy about sitting across from somebody and having an intelligent, mature discussion about opposing views. There is, and I think it's gotten away from us somewhere along the line because we used to be able to have discussions and, and you know, that are on opposite sides and, right. you know, 
sometimes we would bring each other to the other side's point of view a little bit more. Uh, but at the end of the day, we, you know, people were still friendly. They were still friends. It's like, you know, you're, you can agree to, to disagree on stuff yeah. and still be okay. And the world isn't falling apart because somebody doesn't agree with me. It's like, they shouldn't ever, if everyone just agreed with everything one person said or a group of people mm-hmm. said, this would be a pretty horrible place. If you ask me, I mean, a lot of things wouldn't get done. I'll tell you that. Well, and then and then there'd be the the ones that go in and, and take advantage of of the situation, right? Um, yeah, and that's a whole other topic. Yeah, topic that, for that, another show. that that is. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I? I wrote I wrote it on the web page um, that. It's difficult to accept what you don't want to be true, but it's more painful not to. I mean, I can I can sit in my corner and say, I'm not I'm not accepting that. I'm not accepting that. Now, acceptance does not mean I agree necessarily, right? It doesn't mean that I'm on the same page as the situation, but it is what it is. Well, you have to you have to move in the direction of agreeing with it if you're accepting it. Do you, though? Yeah, because if you're going to accept, like, well, what are we talking about here, right? Okay, let's, let's look at uh, step one, right? Powerless right. over uh, whatever. whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and until you accept that, you're not going to move forward. I see. And what saying. I'm looking yeah. at here is like, okay, so because okay. I, I got stuck in that for a long time. It's like, Powerless, I'm not powerless over anything. Right. And I'm never going to be powerless over everything or let anybody control or anything control me because back in whatever point in my life, mm-hmm. I felt like I had no control, right? Mm-hmm. I had no power. So I'm not going to give it up because you tell me I have to do that. Right. But if I look at it, if I get to the point where I can identify how, uh, and I'm just going to talk about alcohol. Because that's that's what kind of took over my life. If I can look at it from the perspective of from the disease concept, I can look at it and say yes, because I've done enough experimentation on my own, right? Yeah. That know that I can't back in the day I can't drink and I can't not drink. So that tells me that there there is a there's a I'm powerless over right. that chemical. There's a dilemma here. You're you're in deep weeds. Right. Yeah. So I have to make a change. So I have to at least accept, right? And by accepting that I'm changing the way that I think about it. It's like, gotcha. yes, I'm powerless over this chemical um, if I put it in my body. Because when I do, then I'm then I'm kind of attached to that, right? I, right. I can't drink because I have consequences or health issues or right, right. All whatever you want or... Uh, I I don't drink, and then my body goes into withdrawal symptoms because right because that's mm-hmm. in our middle mm-hmm. of our addiction. But once I once I accept that, and I'm able to look at that, and I know intellectually and physically that if I take a drink, that's the road that's going to lead me down. So I have to accept that, and then I have to start believing that that's true. So you in that sense, you do have to agree with that. Yes. That the diagnosis. You have to say, "Yes, I I'm all in with that. I agree with that 
Yeah, because if you right. don't, you're not going to move any farther. You can't skip over step one. Gotcha. So what about but what about aren't there things in life though that I may not agree with a decision my son makes financially with his college, let's say. But that is the way it is. And I just got to accept the fact that's the way it is. I may not agree with it, but that's kind of a different thing than what you're saying, isn't it? Well, yes and no, because you're also going to go to the next step, hopefully. Yeah. Right. And right. not saying one way or another, but if we're good parents, right, our job is to help teach and train our children to do the right thing. Right. Now, if they choose not to, that's on them, right? Right. Uh, and then we kind of just sit back and say, well, if you end up needing some help, let the me know. Doors uh, open, yeah. Doors open. Yeah. It's kind of like God, right? Right. That's kind of what God does yeah. to us, too. Sure. That's why we have free will. Um, so we, we have, we're going to accept that that's it, the way it is at this particular time and, and place. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to make an attempt to change that or at least be available if that right. time comes. Right. Because there are certain things that we don't have the ability to change at this moment. Well, there's some things that we don't have the ability to change at all. Let's say there's somebody in our life that, you know, they... <laughs> In the middle of working the steps, we they're in our four step, you know, and we expect them to do something different, right? Mm-hmm. Right. We mm-hmm. we expect them to apologize, right? And maybe they don't remember th- things the way we remember them, right? Or they learned uh, what they learned from their parents. It's learned stuff. They're getting up in age, and they're not going to change. Mm-hmm. So we either have to accept that and have that relationship mm-hmm. or or not. Mm-hmm. If we don't accept it, then we don't have that relationship or we're continually going to fight it. And then the, what's that? Then we're in conflict constantly. Yeah, we're in constant yeah. conflict with that person. Right. Well, to me, that's that's not healthy. You know, it's interesting because in uh, class last Thursday, uh, we were watching a video on basically it was uh, how we it, it was about obedience and uh, obeying authority and that kind of thing. But they were, he was talking about the way we look at people in authority and, I, and, and a light bulb came on. It was like it's it, it's the same angst that we look at people that we disagree with sometimes. And so I, I stopped the video and I said uh, I put a big thing on the dry race board. It said relapse prevention. I put from zero to ten with a continuum line. I go, how many of you guys know people? Uh, they're down here on zero. They're the most agreeable people in the world. Everything they do, you you love it. You approve of it. You're on the same page. There's never a conflict. How many people know somebody like that? It's just about every Hamlet up. Grandma, whatever. So how many people on over on the 10, people that are so unreasonable, you don't, can't even understand why they're still breathing. They're so unreasonable. And then everything in between, every kind of person in between. Well, every Hamlet up. Right. I said, how many of you wanted to change the way you felt by using mind-altering substances because of the way these people were acting from zero to 10. And every hand went up. Right. I said, so So it. you can't change the way you feel. You have to change the way you think. And that will give birth to how you feel. 
your behaviors and your consequences like that. But we spend so much time trying to change the way we feel or what our consequences are, our behaviors, and not change the way we think. And this whole attitude about accepting someone exactly how they are in the moment, it's so liberating. Right. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily agree with them politically, morally, ethically. But what are you going to do? Drink? Right. <laughs> well, I think it, accept, it's accepting ourselves, too. Right. And being able to look at it. And I always filter things through. Is like, what what is it about this person, place, or thing, or situation that that uh, I have a problem with and, and how do I fix it? Is there something in me that needs to be changed or is there something that I can do to help this person place or thing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it that I just need to walk away because it has nothing to do with me? Right. We sure do personalize stuff that has nothing to do with us at all. Right. <laughs> and a lot of it is because we think we, you know, and sometimes especially, uh, you know, I remember <laughs> Being new in in recovery, you know, I go to go to a twenty eight day program and get out, and also I want to save the world and be a counselor, right? And you know, on top of all the, you know, the previous information, right? If everyone would just do things my way, everything would be fine, right? Kind of thing. Yeah, you get all that and you kind of smear it all together, and and you're like, wow, you know. Where am I? Where am I supposed to do with all this? <laughs> so sometimes you, you have to learn the hard way. Sometimes you just sit back and go, "Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna listen for a while. I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna shut up and show up and and uh, you know let God, God do some work. Yeah, and then I'll just kind of follow follow direction. You know, I I was uh, some time ago I was sitting uh, in a twelve step meeting and and this gal. She was just, she was going on about something. And I mean, I could feel that the temperature rising in my chest, you know, and it had nothing to do with me. She was wrong about something that I disagreed with, and it really had nothing to do about me. Whether she believed that or didn't believe that really had no impact on my life other than what I would allow it. Right. Right. And I realized, stopped, and I was able to stop myself and go, wait a minute. This is silly. And I got up and got a cup of coffee and I sat back down, you know, and I did what my sponsor said. Sometimes you just have to turn the switch off. Right. You know, so I just turned my little switch off. You know, I didn't drive my cup of coffee and within a matter of a couple of minutes, I was free, man. How many times in a in a day or a week do you hear people say that that person made me Oh gosh. feel <laughs> right. or act or say it's like, no, you you, they didn't make you do anything. You chose to do right. that. And it's the same thing with resentments. We build them ourselves. Uh, People don't give them to us. We build them. Yeah. They, you hurt my feelings. So now I'm going to yeah. drink some poison and expect you to die. They, Yeah, right. <laughs> they may supply the brick and mortar, but we're on our knees just splatting that stuff under, building that little wall up, and, and there we we're go. We're handing them the supplies. Yeah, right. And they're just giving them right back to us. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So you know, the big book also talks about that whole thing about if everybody would just behave. You know that 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 life is like a stage, like Shakespeare said. All the world, you know, we're all the actors. And the thing is, you and I, we we're the directors, and we want everybody else to obey us. The problem is, they all think they're the director, 
So now we have a train wreck. Yeah, the old uh, term, uh, too many chiefs, not of any. Right. <laughs> then you just have a bunch of government workers standing around with shovels not getting anything done. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. hope I didn't offend anybody. That, that wasn't a politically correct Uh-oh. statement. Uh-oh. Uh, it's interesting stuff. So um, here here's a statement. Um, Imagine that you talk with an apartment manager about leasing an apartment in a popular complex that is completely full. He agrees to call you when the two-bedroom apartment is available. You wait for months. Then stop by to check with him. When you arrive, he is signing a lease agreement with a couple for the two-bedroom unit. When you confront him, he shrugs. That shouldn't happen. This isn't fair. But it did happen. I can't tell you how many times in my life when something would happen and I had no control over it, but I would try to take ownership over it as if I had complete control over it. And all it did was take me to the next right. level of frustration. And what I would used to do with that is want to change the way I felt. And so I would do what I knew so well. And that was to put my all three chemicals in my body. What did you just show me? Well, I just want to comment on what you what you just said, the example, because that reminds me when we first got here. Yeah. And we were like trying to find a house to buy, trying to find a house to rent and talking about being fair. Right. So you right. you go and you there's an open house uh, and to, for a place to rent. Right. They're taking applications. So we get there. We're early. I said, let's get there early before they even open the door so we can be the first ones. Huh. And uh, occasionally there's been other people doing the same thing. But we showed up at this one place, right, over by uh, over by the college over here, uh, by 7-Eleven, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we show up. We were the first ones there, uh, fill out an application. We got, you know, meet all the requirements. But basically the people took all the applications because there was probably 10 or 15 people that showed up yeah. while we were there. Um took all the applications and they chose they picked the person that uh they liked the best. It wasn't that who the first come first serve. Yeah. It was, you know, whoever presented well or sure, sure. you know, who knows what other, you know, things went on, but I mean it was just like again, like hey, this isn't fair. You know? But yeah. again, we yeah. did find a place where they said first person that, you know, that fills out the paperwork and gets approved, gets the place. And we just happened to be the first people at this other place, and we got it. Mm. Of course, we had to wait a few months because <laughs> they had to re- pretty much rebuild the whole place. So, but, so what it really comes down to, because we're not saying don't attempt to change certain things that may be unacceptable and inappropriate, but the key is – we need to start learning what we can change and what we can't. Right. Because the, thing, the things I can change, I tend not to. I just tend to whine about. The things I can't change, I whine even more about. You got to have the wisdom to know the difference. And that's it. That's what we want God to grant us is that wisdom to know the difference. Because sometimes we just we just don't know. We, we're totally convinced that whatever it is that we cannot accept – is something that we can totally change just by having an opinion and whining about it. And having an opinion and about whining about something that's uncomfortable never, never, never changes anything. Uh, well, that, actually, it does. It makes you bitter. 
If you let it. If you let it. <laughs> oh, I just ran across this uh, on the internet here. It says how to practice radical acceptance. Mm. Right? Uh, number one is notice that you are fighting reality. The first step towards radical acceptance is awareness that you are resisting reality. Sometimes this is obvious, but other times it is uh, subtler. Clues that you might be fighting reality. You're feeling bitter or resentful. Thinking your life shouldn't be this way. Ah. Regularly unhappy or frustrated with life. Thinking that if X just changed, you would be happy. <laughs> right? Did yeah, yeah. Things people just do things my way, everything would be fine. Right. And uh, here here, this is this ties into it too. Trying to force other people to change their behaviors. Everybody would just do things my way. That's right. Right? Right. It's almost as, as if we think refusing to accept the truth will keep it from being true. Right? Right. I'll just refuse to believe it. I, I did that when I was in, in, in middle school. When my mom gives me a swat on the butt or she makes me go to my room and sit there for two hours, I'll just say to myself, this isn't happening. <laughs> How'd that, how'd that work out for you? Well, it happened anyway. <laughs> well, again, it's like, you know, uh, uh, you know, our parents, I think, get frustrated because, you know, we, you know, if we're parents, we've gotten frustrated with the kids before. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of a byproduct of parents getting frustrated because they don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes mm-hmm. that that's what happens. Uh, is it effective? Maybe. Maybe not. But it is what it is. It is. Right? Yeah. We got to accept it. So are we going to continue on doing what we're doing? I think to I th- accept the consequences or are we going to make a change? Is there something is there something actually in a very morbid way very comfortable about sitting in your own pile of poop? You know? I I know how to be restless, irritable, and discontent. I know how to do that very well. So even well, though I don't like it, I'm going to stay here. That's why you get you stay stuck in your addiction. That's right. Or your behavior or whatever. Because it becomes more I familiar. I know exactly how what's going to happen. I know how what the outcome is. Yeah. I know that I'm going to feel good for a period of time, and then I'm not going to feel good for a period of time. And it gives us a sense false of control, so right? I, we think we're in control, but we're really not. I, I'm comfortable with what I can control, right? Right. And I'm comfortable with maybe the circumstances. Maybe they haven't been that bad. Yeah. You know, maybe I've already messed it up. So what else can they do to me? Right? I right. Have, I, have, I have a felony or I have five felonies and now I can't even find work anyway. So what's the, what's the use? Right? That's right. how the mind can get trapped. Right. Reality is is that things can change, no matter how bad your past has been. But you have to be willing to make that make changes. You have to be willing you have to be able to accept what has happened is in the past, and that if you can change, your future can change. Do do you uh, you know how how we used to say for years within not just the medical profession but definitely the recovery uh, circles that. So and so is not going to change until they hit the bottom of their bottom. Do you do you think that we can help raise people's bottoms so they don't have to go down that far? 
No. You think they really do have to go down that far? Well, and you've heard this before, too, is some people have high bottoms. Some people don't have to lose everything in, in, in before they, like, figure it out. Yeah. But then there's others that, you know, like, like myself, that, you know, we think we can figure this out. And we'll you know, go to the bigger we're, end. We're intelligent enough to, to figure this out. We don't have to be, uh, you know, homeless, you know, unemployed, living on the streets and begging for money. And, right? We don't have to go down that road. We're thinking that. But we aren't very far away from that. Or we're thinking we that way. One more step. Right. We think direction. that way right into being that way. Right. Because I thought that for years. Oh, I'll never be homeless. Well, it's like I never really thought I had a problem. <laughs> I'm, I, have enough, a, right? I have a house to live in. I have right. a car. I have a brand new car. Right. You know, I have a wife or a significant other. Right. You know, I have friends. I'm, I'm you know, having fun. Yeah. If I yeah. can't pay a bill, eh, what are they going to do? Yeah, lots of people don't pay their bills, right? And they're doing just fine. <laughs> what are you going to do? You got to cash me first, right? <laughs> well, listen, somebody that uh, really understands not being able to control a situation is author Linda Hacker. And I, I'm I'm going to try to take a stab at this. A rose? Uh, a rose? Maybe. We're going to find out if I pronounce her name right or not uh, next month when we have her on the show. <laughs> on this show, uh, her book, The Weight of a Feather, if you'd like to look it up online, The Weight of a Feather, A Mother's Journey Through the Opiate Addiction Crisis. Uh, this poor woman and her family really went through it. I mean, here's a kid. He had everything going for him. And he's smart. He's intelligent. College. You know, the whole nine yards. But the opiate crisis uh, was not a respecter of him, that's for sure. Right. And bam. Uh, and so we're going to be talking about about her, her book. It's a really easy read. It's a short book. Um, so I'm going to be uh, promoting that when we when we have her on our show, I think the 18th of next month. Um, but, man, when you talk to parents that are trying to accept or the or they're early in their own recovery watching their child go through hell and they learn maybe an Al-Anon. Maybe they learn, listen, you didn't cause it. You can't control it. You can't cure it. And you may have to accept the way your son or daughter is just as the way they are right now in order to begin to face the reality that they're that way. Right. That's rough, man. We got to, you know, we got to get out and educate uh, more people, parents especially, uh, about this whole crisis. Yeah. I know uh, Samaritan Health uh, in our area is working on a project to do just that. Um, and as I have more information, I'll share that. Okay. Yeah. We need we need a whole lot more family education so people, when they leave treatment, aren't going back to the same environment. Right. Boy, that's a big piece that we're still missing within the recovery community. Well, they're, they're, they're working on, you know, uh, the doctors, uh, which is a big piece because I know there's, there's been times where, um, and maybe still some, some are doing this, uh, probably not out of malice, but just as, as of part of, of practice, right. Uh, is, is, you know, handing out, opiates um 
not I, not thinking about the long-term consequences. Sure. Yeah, you bet. So I had a doctor at one time that, and I didn't know anything about opiates. I wasn't an opiate guy. I was Mr. Go-Go chemical guy and alcohol. Never, I think the, the strongest thing I ever took maybe was some codeine cough syrup one time. Right. Right. Um, and my, I was having these back issues and stuff and he started prescribing me opiate pain medication and it was like, wow, I can walk, I can stand up straight. I, you, you know, and, uh, thank God it made me sicker than a dog. Uh, because I've watched people get so caught up. We call them the accidental addict. They get yeah. so caught up in it. The next thing you know, they're shooting up heroin and they're living on the street. They they didn't choose that. They didn't wake up one morning and say, "This is what I'm going to do," right. you know. And so um, this thing is this thing is huge. Well, and they've kind of gone like way over the other direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've noticed just in you know personal visits and being at, at the hospital from family members. Oh, where they're not where they're like, you yeah. know, I recommend you take ibuprofen, and it's like, you know. I've just had my arm severed. You're giving me ibuprofen. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the pain management thing has gotten really The pain it, is so it, bad that you can't sleep or you can't move or you can't do anything. And it's like, and I, I mean, you just, there has to be some kind of middle ground. Because you're still going to go out and find it. It's like, there has to be some yeah. middle ground. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you enough for like two or three days to get past, you know, the this and then the post ibuprofen. Or, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, not like here's, you know, 150 tabs and then two refills. Right. They they stopped doing refills. Right. I think most right. part. They did. But yeah. Still, I mean, you you get a you get a bottle of pills. You know, um, by the time you get through a hundred of them, you're pretty much wanting to keep going. Oh yeah, yeah. Where if you know you have you know twelve or something, mm-hmm. uh, or or you know twenty of them, it is you're not going to get addicted to it. You know, can become hopefully. so chemically dependent. That, right. Yeah. Yeah. You're just you're trying to, so you can... it, it's, it's like anything else, you know, uh, you know, a little medication isn't the enemy and medication can be that little thing that gets you over that initial hump. Right. right. You know, I, I, when I first start, stopped drinking, I was on antidepressants for a couple of months, mm-hmm. probably six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm, then I'm done. Right. You know, it was just. Right. You know, alcohol is a depressant. I was drinking gallon a gallon of vodka every day for I don't know how many years. So you know, obviously, there's going to be some point where I'm going to, of course, you're suffer yo- a little bit of depression. Yeah, of course, you're yo-yo boy. You're supposed to be yo-yo boy, <laughs> right? After something like that, you know. So it's uh, you know, I think we've kind of gone over the other side sometimes. Yeah, we kind of do, and that's kind of the that's fear of oh, if I give somebody this, they're going to you know become mm-hmm. an addict. Mm-hmm. Which can can drive people deeper into addiction itself by just cutting everybody off. Well, and it, they're going to go find it. They're gonna yeah, go it tends to people send people to the streets. You know, yeah. If you know, hey, I you know, the doctor's not going to help me out. So, you know, sure. I got my buddy down the street, right? Or hey, do you know anybody? You know. So let's close with this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm going to. Uh, state this again um when i am disturbed now believe me i'm not talking about when i watch a commercial and there's starving children in romania and it disturbs me 
that disturbs me because there's something right with me, not because there's something wrong with me. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when, when, when all the actors aren't doing what they should do, like you were talking about, and everybody's not behaving the way I want them to. So when I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact in my life, unacceptable to me. Sounds like a start of a resentment. It sure is. <laughs> and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, or thing, situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at that moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. I cannot be happy until I completely accept life on life's terms. And I go into the radical area. For me, I had to start accepting life on God's terms. I had to start with life on life's terms, though, because I didn't know what that meant. So I had to start out a little at a time, right? I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me. There it is. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's that's what I where I had to get to. I did throw all the other stuff out the window and say, you know, <laughs> it's pretty obvious that, you know, if you know, ten <laughs> people are telling you something for a long period of time that there might be something to it. Must be might be something to it, yeah. So it's like, one okay, person, what do I need to what do I need to change in myself? If one person calls you a donkey, you could probably walk away. But if three or four keep talking to you about it, you may want to consider that. And they point and show you <laughs> your hooves <laughs> and your tail. All right, part of accepting uh, being a person that that can accept things is letting go of worry. And this is a song by Joe E. Fingers, an original song called Ain't Gonna Worry. I think you're gonna like this.
And that's Mr. Joe E. Fingas, part of the great team that is trying to save the Alano Club in Fort Walton, Florida. Listen, uh, this building has been there for a very long time and has helped many, many people recover from the insidious illness of alcoholism. And we are trying to help raise funds to save that building. If you want to join Take 12 Radio and Joe in this attempt to hold on to this vital piece of property, please visit us at Take12Radio.com and click on Help Us Save the Alamo Club banner about Dead Center in the page there, would you please? All right, until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with Dave Fleming and the entire Take 12 Recovery Radio family. We are reminding you that because of God's great grace and love, you are entitled to overcome. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.